Welcome entrepreneurs and startups to Art of the Kickstart, the show that every entrepreneur needs to listen to before you launch. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president and founder of Inventus Partners, the world's only turnkey product launch company. From product development and engineering to omni-channel marketing, we've helped our clients launch thousands of inventions and earn more than $1 billion in sales over the past 20 years. Each week, I interview a startup success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your launch to the next level. This show would not be possible without our main sponsor, Product Hype, the weekly newsletter that goes out and shows you the best inventions that just launched. Make sure to check out ProductHype.co and join the Hype Squad. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am super excited because I am speaking with Mr. Rob Walling. Rob is a serial entrepreneur. He has started six companies and five of them have been bootstrapped. And I know this Kickstarter community and crowdfunding community all knows about the bootstrap nature of things. He currently runs MicroConf, which is the largest non-venture track SaaS founders and TinySeed, which is a category leading accelerator for B2B SaaS companies. He's invested in more than 125 startups. Uh, Rob's podcast, Startups for the Rest of Us, has over 650 episodes as well as 10 million downloads, over 10 million. Uh, He's written two best-selling books about startups. Um, You should definitely check those out. And I'm really excited to have him on the show today because Rob is launching his next book, The SaaS Playbook, which is going to be on Kickstarter. That's going to go live on March 28th. So when you are listening to this, likely it's March 29th. So it just went live. So, Mr. Rob Walling, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Roy, it is my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. I am super stoked. One, because you're a serial entrepreneur, but you're also a serial Kickstarter backer. Uh, I was just looking at your stats. You've backed over 269 projects, which is absolutely amazing. So I love the fact that you're not only aware of the community, but supporting the community. So before we dive into all the things, let's talk about first about the book and what all of the backers are hopefully going to be learning from it. Yeah. So I've started, as you said, several companies. Um, Several of them have been SaaS companies, which is software as a service, and uh, have a little cool little digital for those in the video, uh, a little digital printout. So ordered some early copies. But in essence, I talk about bootstrapping and mostly bootstrapping software companies, you know, because when I was coming up over the past 20 years, I thought that the only way to start a SaaS company was to go raise, go beg venture capitalists for millions of dollars. But in fact, there's an amazing community of tens of thousands of founders like myself who have changed their life by bootstrapping SaaS companies. And so it's, there's a little bit of my story in this book. And then there's a lot of tactic strategies and, and mistakes that I've seen companies make across the, you know, 125 investments I've made, plus the ones I've grown myself. So let's talk a little bit about you as an entrepreneur. You know, how did how did you get into this? Because I think the entrepreneurial journey is so unique, right? Uh, perspective is a private experience. So what's been that experience for you in terms of how you got into this and kind of where you're at now? Yeah, really, I wanted to be an entrepreneur for the freedom. So I never, the money never mattered, but the money allows me to buy my own time and to do what I want to do with it. Right. And that's what I struggled with as I was coming up out of college was first I worked construction, which was no fun holding the shovel next to a, you know, a tractor in the mud. And then I realized, Oh, I, I, knew how to code. I had learned how to code when I was a kid. And so I went back to the library and started 
uh, learn in Perl and HTML and early web technologies. And I got a job as a consultant. And then I realized pretty quickly, you know, if I really want to do what I want to do, I got to start my own thing. And so I started uh, a few web applications. This is before SaaS, but ultimately, you know, I launched a few SaaS companies and had enough success that these days I run, you know, as you said, a, I run a, a, an accelerator that invests in SaaS companies, but we call it bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped. Right. So venture track is like you raise a million, two million, five million, but there are people raising 200 grand, 500 grand, and they're still referred to as bootstrapped, even though technically that's not the definition. So that's really the community that I, that I run in these days. Amazing. I think our lives have run in parallel, Rob. I uh, remember early on in my teens programming Visual Basic and C++ mm-hmm. programs uh, yeah. to you know, uh, get around AOL. Uh, if you will, in terms of some of the fun things that you could do on the platform as that was going live. So really interesting stuff. I mean, you've learned along the way in terms of what works, what doesn't work, but you've had also the perspective of other founders and what they're trying with the advice that you've been able to give them, not only with your investment dollars, but with your time dollars. So I'm assuming all of that is kind of going to get touched on in terms of this being your third book now. That's right. Yeah. And the big thing, that's an important thing to call out because I wrote my first book after I'd had, that was 2010, right? So 13 years ago, I'd had a few successes, but I had a very narrow view of the world and like what bootstrapping was because I had only had four or five little products by that point. Now where I am today, it's such a different perspective. And I think it's, it's a pretty unique perspective having done it myself kind of from scratch, and then also been involved in, well, at this point, it's literally thousands of others. I have not invested and directly advised, but you know, I run a community, I have the, a podcast. And so I've had conversations with thousands of entrepreneurs who are uh, bootstrapping companies. And I feel like I've heard maybe you know, uh, uh, the gamut, the gamut of all the questions and all the pitfalls and tried to integrate it into this book. So who should be the folks checking out this book and reading this book? Because I think it's important because there's such a mix of people on crowdfunding that are backing games or backing arts and backing hardware companies. And I think the the software side of things gets very much overlooked on the crowdfunding side, where it's typically very hard to build a community for a software-based company on Kickstarter. So I'm really interested to know know, how those founders are going to tie into this book on the platform. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, that is one thing that that I'm doing in my campaign. I obviously have an audience, I have an email list and social following, and I'm actually trying to educate them a bit on everybody know everybody in my audience knows what Kickstarter is, but the, already there are people like I don't have a Kickstarter account. How do I back this? And I'm like, well, you go to kickstarter.com, you click sign up, you know, so I'm actually trying to bring more people into the into the ecosystem to be honest, and I think I think that will be um, successful. I think in terms of folks who where who might get benefit from the book is someone with, you don't have to be technical. You don't have to write code. You know, there's nothing in the book about, oh, build software, this and that, but it is, it is a certain path of entrepreneurship. You know, a it's, it's wanting to build a a software tool. So I think if you don't want to do that, book's probably not for you, but if you've ever wanted to, you know, you've heard about SaaS, you're curious about it. Um, the book really is kind of a, a playbook, so to speak for, the early stages all the way into a few million dollars in revenue. Amazing. So I saw one of uh, the reviews on your website for the book, sassplaybook.com, is from my dear friend, Rand Fishkin, who's also been on the show. Amazing guy. You've got some amazing testimonials of just the work that you've been doing over the years in terms of not only the work that you do for yourself, but now the work for other founders. 
do we think there's much of a community that's going to get pulled into this in terms of the SaaS side of things seems like such a very siloed thing these days where those founders don't have as much opportunity to build community. And, you know, from what I see with the crowdfunding side is campaigns are that opportunity for you to build community and have those conversations with people, whether it be on platform or off platform. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And to be honest, there were there was no community for SaaS until ooh, maybe it was 2015. There were there were entrepreneur communities, and then there were kind of technically technically minded ones. But really, the first the first two were MicroConf, which I started kind of accidentally. It was like I had a podcast; it was popular. Uh, I led their listeners. Let's get together in a room somewhere, and we went to Vegas, and there were 70 of us. You know, it was a, I, just literally like an accidental event, right? This is 2011. And then it wasn't solely focused on SaaS then, but it evolved. And then Saster was the other one. They're the, the big, big, big one that five or 10,000. Um, I do think that this Kickstarter campaign or any type of crowdfunding campaign is, is a really good opportunity for these SaaS founders to get together. And my goal with it is not only, you know, because I have an existing community, but there are so many folks, if I go on Twitter, Okay, there's there's bootstrapping Twitter, right? It's it's mm-hmm. the people who are talking in a you know in a circle, but uh, and similar with Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. But you know, I there is no bootstrapping Kickstarter, and I'm wondering if there is. I'm wondering if I can pull a little bit of that out during the campaign. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, again, it's it's really about building community and the fact that you're bringing your community over, educating them on crowdfunding. Hopefully, it opens up this whole new universe for them that they never thought possible potentially with their startup, whether that be software, hardware, whatever it may be, or even a, you know, a board game, right? Yep. So let's talk a little bit about the book creation process. I have never created a book, but I get pitched all the time with people wanting me to create a book and write a book and do a book about the crowdfunding industry and all the things that we've learned along the way. I'm very excited about it, but I, I fear the time commitment that I have to put into this book in making sure that it's so up to date because this industry evolves so quickly. So tell me what you, how you got into the book writing industry to begin with, and then how that evolution has changed over now writing multiple books and best-selling books. Oh, that is a really interesting question. I'm glad you asked it. My first book I wrote in 2009 in like three months. I was kind of living the four-hour work week at the time. I had enough products, software, uh, and websites and stuff that I didn't really need an income. And so I had this blog as pre-podcast and I was getting so many questions from founders. Like, how did you do this? Especially like, it was like developers trying to learn to market. How did you do this? How did you, how, how are you working for yourself full time? So I started just writing essay after essay. And at a certain point, I realized this is, this is longer than essays. This is more than a blog, right? It's a book. So I self-published it in 2010. And I, I had hoped to sell $5,000, $10,000 worth. And that was going to be, that was it. I, at the time, I was like, cool, that'll be worth my time. And it, it sold $10,000 in the first week. And then the next month, it sold $10,000. And the next month, it sold $8,000. You know what I mean? It was like crazy. So that book has sold, uh, I self-published it, right? So you get 90% of the revenue or whatever. And it, probably $300,000, $350,000 for that first self-published book. Now, that I didn't luck into it. I promoted it. I marketed it. I had a community. I had an audience, right? But that was kind of um, my first foray into this. And I was like, this is great. What happened then, though, is I started starting companies that were bigger and more effort. And I didn't have the four-hour work week anymore. And when um, I tried to write this book, SAS Playbook, it took me two years instead of three months. And wow. I stalled constantly because I was like, 
life gets in the way, companies get in the way, and I need to stop for a month, you know, to to do whatever. Um, I eventually had to hire a like a writing coach who just busted my chops and would come in and look at unfinished stuff and say, "This is what we're working on." Like at a minimum, Rob, I need bullets to know what this section is, and if even if you don't write it, I'll do a first draft and then you can revise it, you know, in your voice, basically, which I'd never done. Right? I'm I'm kind of a writer. Like I'm a writer podcaster is how I think of myself. So I struggled with letting someone else, it was all my thoughts and mostly my words, but it was definitely someone else pushing it forward. So this one took me a couple of years. Um, feels great to be done. But I've also, I mean, this time I, I've now hired a book project manager as well, right? The first time I did everything myself for reasons. And now I have someone who's working 10, 20 hours a week, just just managing the Kickstarter, hiring a copywriter, hiring an artist. We hired a videographer. I mean, you know all the steps. And it's basically me and a project manager like handling it. So very different approach this time. You know, a lot more um a lot more people involved and a lot more cash outlay, I will say, but also the stakes are higher. Uh, my audience is probably 20 times the size that it was when I wrote my first book. Yeah, which is absolutely amazing. Let's talk a little bit about the crowdfunding campaign. I know while we're recording this, the campaign hasn't gone live yet, but I'm really interested to hear kind of some of the takeaways that you've had in terms of building the campaign, building out the page, doing the video as a first timer, and making sure that this thing is ready to go on launch day, that you've got your community geared and also educated, like you had said earlier, in terms of what Kickstarter is and why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So a big piece of that for me has been crafting a lot of emails. And so I have I have the fortune, but also the misfortune. I have four separate email lists across companies that I run, right? So I have like a robwalling.com that's a personal one. I have a podcast list and then I have one for MicroConf and TinySeed. So I really have four lists. So I have to... I don't have to create four of every email, but I, it's a lot of work. So one thing that I did right from the start, which is something I don't typically do because I am a writer, is I hired two copywriters. So I hired one copywriter who's amazing, Leanna Patch. She actually introed you and I, but she did all the copy for the Kickstarter landing page. And I will never regret that because the copy is amazing. And it took, it probably would have taken me two days to write it. And I just don't have the time to do it well, right? So that was, that was a nice luxury I have this time. Hired a professional designer. And then the second copywriter is basically crafting all the emails. And then I go through and put them into my voice. So the the education and the almost the onboarding of my audience is really happening through email and a little bit through Twitter because that's where my folks live. You know, that's where they know me. But yeah, it's definitely been, I've been trying in my head to weigh like, is this more? Because I could have just done a launch without Kickstarter, right? I could have sure. just had a landing page. I mean, I have a list. So, and I keep weighing like, is this more work or less work than if I'd just done it myself? And I think it's more work, but the idea is that the benefits will outweigh that work, you know, that the benefits of doing it this way. Absolutely. So speaking of benefits, what what benefits or KPIs are you looking at with this book launch? Yeah, that's a good question. So I get the question a lot of like, why are you doing a Kickstarter? Because again, I've launched prior books always to a landing page, you know, a Squarespace checkout or a Shopify, and I can just, I can do it, right? Because I can email. And the three benefits that I, the reasons I'm doing the Kickstarter are, number one, I really wanted to offer a bunch of different tiers of um of rewards and yep. doing that. And that just is a natural, it's just, it's the native language of Kickstarter is to have seven tiers, as you told me, but you know, six, seven, eight, whatever doing that on a landing page, you know, is just a little bit weird. Like, why do you have seven different options? That's almost right. It would, it would come off weird. So that was the first one. Second one is I really wanted a hardback book. 
and to, they're expensive to print. And so I wanted to take pre-orders. And what's like the best pre-order system in the world? It's Kickstarter. And then the third is I really wanted to, I've never, um, I, I view Kickstarter as a community, as a social network almost. And it, you know, it's a, it's a commerce network, but a social network. And so I wanted to ex- kind of expose my brand to that and see um, see who's there and see who's there who hasn't heard of MicroConf, Tiny Seed, and and me before. So that's Amazing. the calculus I'm weighing. <laughs> well, I know entrepreneurship can certainly be you know a tough road for everyone, and certainly we get a lot of feedback from our listeners that are out there and. In those difficult moments, Rob, like how do you stay focused on moving forward and making progress, not only on all of your companies and your conferences, but on this book and getting it launched? Mm, ooh, I love this question. So there's two things. There's internal and external. So externally, these days, I have people that rely on me to do things. And if I didn't have that, it's kind of like having a gym buddy. If I didn't have a gym buddy, I'd never go to the gym. But I know that I told so-and-so I'm going to be there at 9 a.m. on that day, and so I do it. So that's how I am now is the book started having deadlines. And they were kind of artificial, but it it became, well, if we're going to kickstart this book, it has to be spring of 23. And in order to do that, it has to be manuscript done by December of 22. You know what I mean? And suddenly, and I don't like deadlines. I I started companies so no one could tell me what to do, but suddenly I was working for everybody else, which is good. So that's an external motivator um, that is a big deal. We have a conference, a microconf in Denver here in April. I wanted it printed, you know, I wanted some print copies by then. There's just, there's a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of things relying on me. So that's the external. Internal motivation, that's a harder one, I think. Maybe time for another podcast, but there is a lot, I think. As an early stage entrepreneur, it's a lot of just grit and grinding it through. And I think later and later, I need less of that. I just know I get up, even if I don't feel like doing it, you have the muscle. You develop the the shipping muscle of just whether I feel like doing this or not, I'm going to do it. Amazing. Rob, this is going to get us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do this. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Freedom. If you could meet with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would you want to have a cup of coffee with? Steve Jobs. All right. He's a common guest on the show uh, or an answer on the show. Excuse me. I'd love him. Would have loved him to be on the show. Um, What would have been your first question that you would have asked him? How? um, Oh, man. (laughs) That's crazy. How did you learn? How do you tell a story? Hmm. How do you know how to, because he, and everything in his marketing, in his talks, he tells a story and I want to hear how he crafts it in his head. I want to know his process for it. That's, that's a great question. What advice would you give to a new inventor or entrepreneur that's looking to launch their new product or book? I would say, look, Kickstarter has an audience, but build as much of your own as you can. Some type of following, whether it's social, email, whatever, put content into the world, put something into the world that makes people want to hear from you so that you have that there's a huge advantage in having an audience 100 percent. what are the top three skills that you think every entrepreneur needs to be successful i think there's one that's a bias towards action which is a little bit generic but it means you do stuff you the entrepreneurs i see succeeding do a lot of things second thing is some type of gut instinct or feeling that you develop over time that you, most of the things you work on are the right things. When you first start out, you work on a bunch of things, you don't know what's right and what's wrong, but you de- almost develop a taste or a sense of well, this is super effective. So it's working on a lot of things. Usually they're the right things. And then the third one is a willingness to make mistakes, to fail, to admit it, to apologize if needed. 
to yourself or to someone else, but not a fear of, uh, you know, no fear or, or little fear of making the wrong decision. 100%. What's uh, one invention or campaign that you've backed on Kickstarter that's made your life easier? Oh, there's a, I love this belt with a sliding belt buckle. You know, so it slides instead of having, yeah, yeah, I, there were, you know, that was the first time, I think the first one ever was probably on Kickstarter, but I've now own like five of those, but I backed that like 10 years ago and it it changes your life. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely does. I think that was a project that we worked on. All right. Last question, Robin. I know you're about to launch your first campaign, but really interested to hear your take on what does the future of crowdfunding look like? Oh, I think, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I think subscription crowdfunding as Patreon has kind of done, I think that's going to continue to be a thing and to expand. I also think as evidenced by me kickstarting a nonfiction book, which is quite rare, I think that crowdfunding can and should be expanding beyond. I know games are, you know, there's a couple categories that kind of rule crowdfunding now. And I think there's a whole other world out there that could use this type of, uh, you know, this type of mechanism to get things launched. Absolutely. Well, Rob, this has been amazing. This is your final opportunity to give our audience your pitch. So tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check out the SaaS playbook. Yeah. You know, if you're interested in starting a software company, you should head to sasplaybook.com or you can head to uh, the Kickstarter or head to kickstarter.com and search for SaaS playbook. Amazing. Well, Rob, I know you uh, offered to gift us a few books, so we'll make sure that uh, we do some sort of giveaway. So make sure folks drop us a comment on iTunes or on the website. And obviously, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, transcript, links to the campaign, and everything else that Rob has done in his amazing life. And of course, got to give a big shout out to our crowdfunding podcast sponsor over at Product Type, the top newsletter for new products that just launched. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Absolutely, sir. It's my pleasure. Thank you for tuning into another amazing episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, life, and world with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, make sure to show us some love, you know, by rating us and reviewing us on your favorite listening station, whatever that may be. Your review really helps other founders and startups find us so they can improve their craft and achieve greater success like you. And of course, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the previous episodes. And if you need any help, make sure to send me an email at info at artofthekickstart.com. I'd be glad to help you out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next week.